0: Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman.
1: I'm Mark Marble.
0: And this is the Lantern
1: Cast, episode 448.
0: Ooh, that close to 450. I did not. That did not register.
1: Yes, we'll have to make our decision what we're going to do for 450 very soon, so we can so we can schedule and move stuff around accordingly.
0: All right. So tonight we're talking about a few different things, uh, but I'm only going to. We're just gonna launch into the, the the main thing first because depending on how long we go, don't wanna overpromise something and then let's not not get there. So first thing up tonight, we are talking about the six issue mini series from uh, DC and in the infinite frontier line of crime syndicate. I got Mark to read it, guys.
1: <laughs> and surprisingly, it really wasn't bad at all. Not too bad. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and do a
0: recap of everything. Now, guys, I've got the digital issues in front of me. Uh, I'm just going to page through just to remind myself of the beats. I've read this three or four times at this point. Uh, I even watched a video uh, recap on um, YouTube to help sort of cement my idea of the story beats. But I do want to just page through to make sure I'm hitting them myself. So uh, let's go ahead and start with the creative team. Andy Schmidt is the writer. Kieran McAllen uh, is the penciler. Dexter Vines is our anchor. Steve Olaf is our colorist. Rob Lay is the letterer. Jim Chung and Romulo Fajaro Jr. Did the cover. That's either Scott or Five Can. It's kind of hard to tell with that font. Did the variant cover. Did the uh is the assistant editor. And Brian Cunningham is the editor. Now, some of this may switch up here and there, issue by issue, but... Largely, and I did double-check, the creative teams remain the mostly exact same throughout. So cue some sort of, I don't know, reverb or echo effects. From the ashes of death metal, a new multiverse was forged with new worlds born and reborn. This is one such world. A world where everything we know is turned upside down. Where the sun rises in the west and sets in the east where Benedict Arnold was a founding father of America and tyranny reigns. A world where good does not always triumph in the end. Welcome to the new Earth 3. We open up in 1968, where JFK is assassinated not by a bullet, but by the heat vision of a young boy. Meanwhile, in Modern Metropolis, we see that Ultraman is watching over all of Metropolis. Metropolis. Who And he brings in a uh, Daily Planet semi-truck delivery truck to crash into the side of the Daily Planet building to confront Cat Grant, editor of the Daily Planet, for basically posting what he considers slander against himself. He hears something and takes off. Meanwhile, over in Arnold, D.C., because remember, New Universe this is not Washington, D.C. Benedict Arnold's is the founding father. So in Arnold, D.C., at the White House... Some of the FBI agents are uh, trying to get in to speak with the president, who is Oliver Queen. They're being blocked at the door because uh, a representative of uh, from Themyscira, a.k.a. Donna Troy, is behind there talking with him. She has him tied up uh, as the FBI agents confront her. But before they can confront her, the, there is an earthquake that shatters the windows to the Oval Office, but it's not really an earthquake. Then over in Coast City, the Emerald Knight, John Stewart, is confronting a policeman for being, uh, I don't know, harassing an individual. It doesn't look like it's really made clear uh, exactly what's going on. He does say you dress like a hoodlum, you get treated like a hoodlum. And the guy says he was putting the squeeze on the kid because he's got kids of his own. I, I don't know. I-, I guess he's harassing this guy but he picks up the uh, the cop and the guy who's being detained and then drops them both on the ground as uh, his ring warns him of an impending problem. Over in Central City, we see Johnny Quick and Atomica racing along the streets when suddenly the ground cracks beneath them. And then we cut back to a scene showing showcasing Ultraman, Superwoman, Johnny Quick, uh, Atomica, and uh, Emerald Knight. Uh, As we see everything going on in each of their respective cities, except for Coast City, which is a group of Staros have descended on various main cities across Earth-3. One of the Staros attaches itself to Ultraman, says find others, free us, save us, join us, and... Uh, Ultraman sets fire to Metropolis with his heat vision. Meanwhile, over in Gotham City, there is no Starro above the city as uh, Owlman takes uh, on uh, a guy mugging somebody in the streets. Owlman wants his name and reputation spread, but the guy says, okay and snaps a picture of him as well. So Owlman uh, is about to confront him when uh, Alfred kills him uh, because Owlman wants uh, a reputation and stories and myth, not fact. Meanwhile, he cues into what's going on with the Stars across the country. in he, he there, it's over every major city except they noticed Gotham. So Alman says that he's going to figure that out. Uh, at the end of every issue, we do get origins for each of our new players. We can talk about that I guess a bit in the recap, but uh, or rather in in our thoughts on it because they are different. Uh, slightly from the original origins, though I, don't ask me to remember the original origins. I just know that they differ in some way. But uh, there are uh, origins for each of these main characters at the end of every issue. So moving on to issue two, we figure out that uh, the Staros are descending everywhere uh, in terms of like uh, the little bitty Staros are falling in lots of places, including some are directly attacking Owlman, but there is no giant Starro over Gotham, uh, which is, says that they perceive Owlman as a threat, but not necessarily enough to warrant you know, parking themselves over the top of that city. Over in Arnold DC, Ultraman has arrived to uh, challenge Superwoman because we need to bring her into the fold with Starro's. They fight each other. And uh, tackle each other, take take off towards space in their tussle. Meanwhile, over in Gotham, in the Owl's Nest, uh, Owlman has performed a uh, biopsy of the Starro and learned lots about its venom traits, its biological traits, so on and so forth. Ultraman and Superwoman's fight has taken them out into space, and she hits him back down towards Earth while. Alman reveals to us that the, uh, of all the major cities that these, um, that these Staros have shown up, they are not over in particular Gotham and Coast City because there are no metahumans there that Alman is aware of. He definitely knows there's none in Gotham because himself and his talons have, uh, called the city of any, uh, metahumans. And as far as Coast City goes, it must mean that the they're scared of something there, which would be the Emerald Knight. And we see that Owlman has the Power Ring battery, which looks like the movie battery, in his possession. As super uh, as Ultraman and Superwoman make landfall back in Arnold, D.C., Johnny Quick shows up to help him take her on. But suddenly uh, Emerald Knight has shown up to put a giant construct uh, sword through the star over top of Arnold DC. It collapses to the ground when all of a sudden the power ring on Jon Stewart's hand is hacked and Owlman's voice comes through uh, saying, hey, do what you need to do. Do your thing. I need to download some data from your ring. Uh, He's getting attacked by other metahumans. The Starro that was impacting the various heroes in Arnold DC, including Ultraman and Johnny Quick, have now fallen. They're sort of disoriented, getting their bearings. Then uh, uh, Emerald Knight shows shows up to explain what the Starro's are. They're an intergalactic race of world-conquering beasts uh john stewart's had enough and says who is this and owl has now shown up on the scene says he's the man with the plan and he's carrying the power battery in the back of this one we get the origin of of owl in in this particular universe as for crime syndicate number three we pick up basically right where we left off except we're starting off with the origin of the staros the staros in this case is a a collective which fights not just with the body, but with the mind. And they have countless battles with enemies uh, and have now come upon Earth. The Emerald Knights are the private police force of the ancient overlords of Oa, and they have never been able to vanquish these beasts. The Staros once fought the Knights, including Earth's Harold Jordan, To a last stand and casualties were high on both sides, yet the Staros live on. They have never truly met their match until now. This is Superwoman's own internal dialogue. To pick things up just a little bit, the team that will become the Crime crime Syndicate uh, has started taking on the Staros and know that they need to take out the Queen. Now, the large Staros over everything are are just larger staros. There is still a queen in the one in, in, over Metropolis is the queen in this instance. So the man with a plan has sent in Atomica into the, the queen starro to uh, surf the bloodstream and get to a certain point. Lex Luthor, Alexander Luthor is trying to evacuate Metropolis, but basically Ultraman steps in and says, we got this. Uh, Atomica has basically gone in and punched Starro in the brain, which has opened up a wound enough for uh, John Stewart to sort of jump in and deliver some ring energy uh, equivalent to that of a nuke inside of Starro. Uh, it uh, Superwoman uh, lassos him up and brings him down, or brings the uh, Starro down. Says it has no mercy to give. They have now killed the Starro. The Starro collapses in the center of Metropolis, knocking down dozens and dozens of buildings as uh, Alexander tries to get people out of the way. But it doesn't matter. They have taken out the Queen. Therefore, all of the other Starros, including the giant ones floating other, other cities like Moscow and Johannesburg uh, and so on and so forth, also collapse on top of their cities. And as various news reports across the world are going off about the metahumans who have revealed themselves in the wake of this quote-unquote crisis. And we see the uh, the uh, crime syndicate formed uh, at the end on top of the rubble with uh, Ultraman, Superwoman, uh, Owlman, Emerald Knight, Johnny Quick, and Atomica. On the back of this one, we get the origin of Donna Troy. Uh, and with issue four, we kind of continue things because, and this is where I'll probably just set set down the the, the pages uh, and just give you guys a, a high level recap. Because of the first three issues, we now know that metahumans and the public knows just how many metahumans there really are. Of course, they were already aware of Ultraman, and they call it Demon's Island, but they are also apparently aware of Femiscera in some fashion, and thus, you know, the Amazons and AKA Donna Troy. Owlman is still supposedly a legend. Johnny Quick has been killing people over in Central City with Atomica, but has been moving around in a blur, so they know a metahuman is out there, but they didn't know which. And then, of course, Emerald Knight is aware. So they are aware of superpowered beings in a, in a larger sense. But all of these others that have cropped up across the planet, uh, they're now aware. And they think basically we have started essentially a metahuman's arms race. Now, over in Central City, the police finally know who's been killing all these people at high speeds. And they're trying to confront Uh, Johnny Quick and Atomica for 73 cases uh, of unsolved murder. They take off and um, at this point, Emerald Knight shows up to try and corral them, maybe save them from the police. Uh, It's sort of unclear. Meanwhile, over in Coast City, jets are trying to come towards Coast City and sort of oust Emerald Knight. That's not happening. Now, of course, because it's Earth-3 and we have already been introduced to Alexander Luther, now we're now seeing what's going on with him. He is setting up his own, of course, Legion of Justice. Um, and as he's doing so, he is, well, uh, somebody shows up with a yellow power ring, and that is Thal Sinestro. And because we're keenly interested in the Green Lantern side of things, or rather Emerald Knight side of things, I'll go ahead and read uh this stuff here. Thal says, uh, uh, Lonar says you're the smartest man on the planet, which gives me the slimmest glimmer of hope that you might prove useful. Uh, Lonar, who's just another character that Alexander is talking to about, you know, forming his Legion of Justice says, Thal used to be an Emerald Knight until the Owens slaughtered his home planet of Koragar. Since then he's turned their own weapon against them. His yellow ring is a reached reforged power ring that only he controls I invite him in, invited him here because you need powerful allies. Thal says there is an Emerald Knight on your planet who you'll need in your ranks. He just requires convincing. The Owen Power Ring subjugates its wearer, but I believe John Stewart is a good man. He can overcome it. Alexander asks him why, and Thal says, because I did. Because we know that uh, Alexander is setting up his own ranks, Uh, the smartest man on the planet, Alexander. He is uh, not alone in this thought process. Owlman is aware of it too. So he and Superwoman who have arrived at the Fortress of Solitude uh, in the Arctic to recruit Ultraman uh, into their ranks and to be their leader. Additionally, because Wonder Woman, or sorry, uh, Superwoman needs an heir. So the, the newly formed Trinity fly off to uh add more to their own ranks meanwhile thal has now gone over to coast city to confront john stewart and this is the emerald Knight heavy issue issue four so i'll i'll, I'll give us a little bit more detail here uh falls is telling uh or sorry the ring is telling john that he can do more uh you serve this entire world humans always make war you have the power to save them to end the violence and as the ring is talking to him suddenly a yellow construct appears over it in a bubble to to silence it sinestro says you don't have to be an owen lapdog i'm i'm glad uh john says no one controls me he says i'm glad you feel that way because i'm not here to try in fact i'm here to set you free and he starts uh fighting against john stewart He says, the power ring is designed to break you down and control you. My yellow ring counteracts yours, temporarily preventing it from creating constructs. You can resist, you can control it if you know how. The road is difficult, even dangerous. Others have tried and only I have succeeded. It's shredding your very identity, starving what is noble, good, and compassionate, feeding you pride, anger, and resentment. Listen to your true self. Join me in the heroes of Earth. Once we're finished here, we'll bring other night, we'll free other knights, and bring justice to the galaxy. But you must choose, John Stewart. Become the hero only, you only think you are. Uh, John Stewart says, Co City has nothing to fear from the outside world. And Thal says, I'm mildly impressed. No knight has broken a construct from my ring before. You're right about one thing, John. You've eliminated every fear, save one. Look around you. Above all else, they fear you. They, uh, Alexander is leading a cleanup effort over in Metropolis, uh, at, uh, at which point the uh, Starro starts rumbling. They think it's alive, but it's really Ultraman just lifting it up off of the rubble. And Owlman in his uh, Thomas Wayne persona has shown up to uh, let Alexander know he's uh, on now on the board of, of uh, Luther Corps or Lex Corps. John shows up to try to speak with his daughter, who says, I told you never to come back. And now he's uh, arrived at the satellite in orbit above Earth for the Legion of Justice to let Alexander know that he has joined their ranks. And in this one, we get, uh, of course, the origin of. Uh, of John Stewart, uh, Emerald Knight, uh, and everything that's kind of gone on with his daughter, who we were just introduced to. Uh, now with issue five, uh, essentially here again, I'm gonna now jump back to sort of high-level stuff. The superhumans are uh, the metahuman arm race is now on. We are we've recruited people to the crime syndicate side. We've recruited people to the uh, Legion of Justice side. And the only way for uh, there to be a winner is for the two to fight. So the crime syndicate takes the fight. Well, rather, the Legion of Justice tries to take the fight by apprehending Johnny Quick. In that moment, the Emerald Knight kills Johnny Quick, which was not the intended goal of the Legion of Justice, which obviously enrages Atomica and other things and leads her to join the, the newly formed Trinity of the crime syndicate. And uh, while the Legion of Justice is getting their bearings and trying to bench Jon Stewart for killing Johnny Quick, the crime syndicate attacks the satellite. Uh, they fight each other. Atomica grabs the body of Johnny to leave. And right as Ultraman is about to punch the head off of uh, Alexander Luther, Kara Zorel has now shown up to catch the fist. And that leads us into issue six, where uh, the, everybody is heading down to Earth, including uh, the rest of the crime syndicate. The fight between Ultraman and, and Kara Zor-El has de- gone down to the surface uh, in Metropolis. Essentially, uh, Kara is now upset at Clark for... Corrupting and destroying everything that his family was supposed to stand for and wants to uh, become a true hero and a true beacon. But before she can defeat her cousin, who is asking her this entire time to join him in their ranks, you know, join me and together we can rule. I mean, really, it's kind of essentially what that whole conversation is. Atomica now saves the day yet again, in a sense, at least in an Earth-3 sense, as Kara dies and Atomica crawls out of her ear. And we sort of end there. Uh, the Crime Syndicate has won and have established themselves as uh, as rulers in the beginning of this arm the, this metahuman arms race, and is recruiting more and more people to their cause, including the Emerald Knight, who has now come back on over to the crime syndicate side of things. Now there's obviously some details here and there I missed, but that is sort of the high level recap. And I didn't want to go on too long because then it's just going to be boring with me talking the entire time. But I believe I encapsulated the main story parts.
1: I would say there's no doubt you did that, Chad. Well, what'd you think? Overall, I actually did enjoy the story for what it is. I mean, I don't care about the crime syndicate much one way or the other. And there's some members of the crime syndicate I'm more interested in And even when you read when you read something like this, it just kind of reminds you of like forever evil. It reminds me of forever evil when when Superwoman was pregnant and Ultraman thought, you know, believed it was his baby. But of course, it really was Owlman's baby and all this, all this stuff. I actually like for the most part, I like Jon Stewart's character in this. I like the fact that he seemed to be much more successful at blocking out the negative Volthum influence of powering as opposed to you know powering as we're used to with you know the hal jordan version that who ju- who does not have that ability to block out and tune out and do it as often as as we get here john stewart seems pretty he's obviously being influenced by the ring even when he's not aware of it but he's also able to basically call the ring on its bullshit quite often and do what he thinks needs to be done as a hero even if the ring's telling him to do something else. It was interesting seeing, you know, the bizarro version, if you will, of Sinestro, where Sinestro was a good guy and Sinestro was trying to, you know, help people, almost like a, save people from like a parallax, like corruption that, that the Owen power rings, the Knights of Olaf pretty much are all controlled this way. I mean, yes, I mean, you can understand in a way why Jon Stewart kind of did what he did when he killed Sinestro, which just because... Sinestro was a little preachy and a little overbearing, so I, I I could I could kind of see that even though it was more it was still I guess it's up for debate whether John Stewart I guess he did choose to kill Sinestro because he obviously could have called the ring to him to not go to take a straight path through, but yeah it, it was it was an interesting story the Ultraman killing Kennedy that was kind of that was kind of a nice take and you know on, on America with a K like, like, so, like Soviet like it, like it was often portrayed in a Soviet takeover of America with America with a K not a C that was in. I like the, the action comics uh, cover homage in the first issue when Ultraman shows up at the daily planet, trying to basically tell, th- threaten them if they continue to, t- to write negative stuff about him. The mind pa kent stuff being assholes that was it's hard to see and that whole stupid uh freeloader stuff gets old that got old pretty quick as far as and we know this we know ultraman's not the brightest bulb compared to clark
0: yeah that's what i was just about to say i mean regardless of the iteration every version of ultraman has been I i don't want to say stupid but like a a doofus brute you know a simpleton sort of in a way all brawn no brain sort of a a a guy so i he which at times you know simultaneously feels annoying so the the bunch of freeloaders and kind of his whole verbiage throughout is really consistent
1: and obviously he gets he gets a large amount of that from uh from his parents as far as you know the the can't leave you know the Kents in this world uh, Ma and Pa can't because that, that's the way they talk and that's that's the world that's the world view they instill upon Ultraman but it does it does kind of get old and and uh, that's something I've never been a fan of the like the lowest common denominator aspect of what makes what makes a Superman a Superman and that's kind of like how how they approach how they approach ultraman. The Donna Troy thing didn't do much for me either. I mean, I guess it's better than making a weird, making Diana being corrupt, and because I don't know, Donna Troy is Donna Troy. Doesn't do that. I mean, I don't have a lot, lot of ties to Donna either. I'm not a t- Teen Titan reader, so. And the, the Johnny Quick, Johnny Quick's never done anything for me. Atomica, they, at least they gave Atomica cool things to do in this in this six issue mini and they i also like the the good guy you know the good guy lex Luthor aspect and trying to put together their version of the justice league to try to compete and it was it's kind of weird in a way because of the fact that you literally have half the story be dealing with starro and then that just ends and then you deal with like the, so it's, it's so it's almost like it's one three issue mini and then another three issue mini all's jammed under the same, you know, one through six because it's the focal point changes. So I thought I thought tonally that I'm not quite sure if I enjoy that as much. But overall I thought it was it was certainly much much more enjoyable as a story, not just focusing on the Green Lantern stuff. Just as a story, it was much more enjoyable than I would have guessed it was going to be.
0: Yeah, I actually like that it was sort of half and half, a three issue and a three issue. Um I I it gave us a lot of information. It kind of gave us, uh, it, it gave us, you know, kind of a, you know, the formation of "quote unquote" the league uh, in sort of what they're, uh, what what brought them together in the first place. The backups gave us each each of their origins without having to sort of throw it in by some random uh, exposition or awkward flashback or something. Uh, so that was a cool way to handle it. Uh, for the origins of each of them. Uh, I like that, I mean, relatively relatively speaking, it. I mean, it wouldn't make sense for a league, uh, people with the powers of the League, uh, in this case the crime syndicate, uh, if they had no limits to dispatch the Staros more quickly because the concern when Staros has shown up in the past has always been for those Staros has infected, right? So how do we deal with the threat, stop more Staros from coming down, but also, you know, save as many people as possible. But if the idea is just stop the threat, all costs, kill the queen, who cares what happens. then hell yeah, I guess it it makes sense that it happens in three issues or less. <laughs> um, uh, also, it was interesting to see the setup of the Legion, uh, in the, it, w- it was kind of cool. You got the dichotomy a bit there. You got three issues setting up the league or, or the crime syndicate. Three issues setting up the legion, uh, with you know uh, by having you know learning more about them by having the crime syndicate confront them. We see the legion get beaten down. Also in the last couple of panels, obviously we see uh, things like uh, showcasing that while the crime syndicate is building its ranks. We we do see other you know kind of hints that you know the legion is not done and will be coming back at some point on Earth three. We some of the we see some of the other heroes uh, that were fighting alongside Lex confronting uh, Earth three's Joker. He's called the Jester, right? Yes. Yeah. So they they have found the Jester and they're going to him. Uh, we see the uh, Sinestro's yellow ring going to a being that looks like Despero um we see uh the overlord overlords of oa looking down on some construct stuff we see uh you know and honestly the 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 thing that made was interesting to me in terms of origins because every origin here is a little different because it's a newer three uh gets you know uh, the the personalities of these individuals correct uh by but is able to change the origin origin in such a way that it matches up. So we got the freeloader, you know, we just, our son has powers, which means, you know, hell we can have him do all the chores and keep our farm afloat so we can make money and we don't have to break a sweat. Uh, we just got to indoctrinate him a little bit. And then we have Johnny quick and kind of a similar situation on his side, not hundred percent, We got the Superwoman stuff. But I think the most interesting origin uh, retelling here for me, I think, was maybe Owlman's. Because Owlman here, guys, is Thomas Wayne, who is the younger brother to Bruce Wayne. So in the alley, Thomas, Martha, and Bruce are killed in front of young Thomas Wayne, who then becomes Owlman um, and has a code much like Batman up until the point, one night he confronts the killer of his parents and his older brother Bruce, uh, who is Harvey Bullock, and is holding him over a rooftop. When Harvey tells him that, "Don't you know what happened? Your 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 parents are responsible for the death of of uh, Jim Gordon's son." In with this case, I think Jim is Jim Gordon is not a commissioner, right? He's like a mob. Yeah, mob guy. Yep. Yeah. So because of all of that, like uh, it somehow just kind of it, it breaks Thomas's mind and he's like, it, he kind of finds some humor in it, starts laughing a little bit and then just it, it decides to completely abandon the no kill thing and just drops Harvey off the skyscraper and becomes the owl Man that we all know. And what's interesting, too, is because of this, it's a new origin. You can incorporate new things like now. Owlman is in charge of the talons and the court of owls which is very interesting to me because i i am you know maybe i'm one of those maybe i'm a sucker but i'm one of those people who really freaking thought the whole beginning of the new 52 stuff with scott snyder's batman and the court of owls was probably one of the highlights of the new 52 you i remember you saying you know you didn't read that whole thing right
1: no i did not
0: yeah I mean, I, I, hell guys, I've been ranting about how much uh, Batman stuff we've got coming out from DC, but I'm looking over here on my shelf and I've got the first six full volumes of Scott Snyder's new 52 run on Batman in hardcover trades because that shit was fantastic. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, The Emerald Knight stuff, man, that, that was really interesting because if you, if you take it, in context with what we already know about our universe, especially hell, let's even put it in the context of the Green Lantern series that we're reading right now. Sinestro has recently said in, in that first issue uh, of Jeffrey Thorne's run, reiterated his distrust of the Owens in saying that they did it all because they f- they were afraid. If you take that concept and run with it, you get the overlords of Oa. Saying they need to control everything, it's 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 sort of a it's sort of a mix of being motivated by fear and also like maybe the the Owens never split in terms of evolutionarily speaking. We never got the controllers. Like some of the mentality of the controller is also in the overloads of, or overlords of Oa, because there's really there's a there's an entire core out there the ring is green. It makes constructs. Uh, they police the universe, but they, it, it seems in this world where villains are heroes and heroes are villains. It seems like the, although Starro and, uh, and his minions and, and the Emerald Knights under the overlords of Ora were ancient enemies. It seems like Starro was in the right. Now, did he go about trying to get people to fight on his side, to go against and overthrow the overlords of oa wrong yes but because this fight had been going on so long he went to earth because he could recruit the most powerful people to help overthrow the overlords of oa so i thought that was an interesting twist we got harold jordan in there which is our og power ring so that was kind of cool if only for a moment um i don't know i just i the 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 sort of making our John Stewart, our POV character for both halves of the six issue story arc uh, was actually a very interesting choice. I wouldn't have thought of, um, but it works because he's not completely taken in by the ring and it's lingo. And another interesting concept that Sinestro throws out is that he's the only one Sinestro is the only one, who has, you know, kind of overthrown the influence of the ring and live to tell the tale, which means either A, everybody who's ever had a ring other than Sinestro has been able, uh, who has been completely taken in by it, or lots of people have tried, but they've died in the process, except for Thal.
1: Yeah, I thought, I mean the Sinestro take overall, the Sinestro was one of the more interesting things in this book and the relationship between him and John and him trying to actually be a good, let's say a good mentor to a new green lantern, as opposed to the questionable mentorship he, he had to Hal and you know, that, that except now the accepted version of Sinestro was his mentor as opposed to like when Hal first got introduced. Yeah. I mean, I think, the Sinestro stuff was one of my favorites. That was one of the things that surprised me pleasantly when, when he showed up in the book, as opposed to just dealing with the, just dealing with the justice, the uh, injustice league there, the crime syndicate on its own that I don't know if it would have interested me at, as much, but if without bringing in um without having that bonus of having Sinestro, I think that, I think that really was a big plus for me and my, overall enjoyment of the book along with the way they characterize Jon Stewart as this version of Powering.
0: Yeah, speaking of, and I won't go on much longer, we have other things we got to get to, but um, I would have liked to, now obviously we're Green Lantern fans, we're a little bit biased, and I think if I'm being honest, me wanting this is just 100% bias, Um, but personally I would have liked to see more about the Emerald Knights, particularly involving how Volthoom go, uh, figures into all of this, if because they, they show us Harold Jordan, who is the original Cry- Earth Three uh, Power Ring, um, in other iterations of Earth Three. So if Volthoom was behind, you know, uh, Power Ring and, and corrupting him, uh, then I would have liked to learn more about that. We're not done with the crime syndicate people. The the you know, the Suicide Squad book is dealing with that apparently. We talked a bit about this last issue that there will be an issue upcoming of Suicide Squad. I think I said issue nine, where the Suicide Squad is sent by Amanda Waller to Oa to grab something off of the vault on Oa, um, because uh, I th- I think what Dan said he gave us a little bit more context. Didn't he say that Amanda Waller is trying not only has the crime syndicate basically in prison, but wants to sort of do the same thing that she does with her suicide squad, but to them.
1: I believe that's what he said. Yes.
0: To basically have people with the powers of the league that she controls with little bombs in their brains, knowing, knowing that the crime syndicate is so heavily involved in, uh, in suicide squad and knowing that that upcoming issue of suicide squad is going to OA and you liking for the most part, reading these six issues, does that have, you curious at the very least to read the issue where is this the suicide squad goes to Oa? would you be interested in in learning more about the crime syndicate and where we're going in terms of the infinite frontier version of the crime syndicate
1: i would be interested in reading the issue i would i think that's a fair statement i don't know how much more of an interest i would really have in re- in learning more learning more about them just generally speaking though i mean it was a fine story for what it was i don't it hasn't converted me into oh i want to read more about read more about these people or or this team it doesn't really doesn't doesn't really do much for me just generally good
0: no yeah I, i will say it gives me added context to be at least curious about the rest of suicide squad because a question when you read the solicit for the issue where the suicide squad is headed to oa to grab something from the vault is how does amanda waller know what's in the vault in which case she had to have learned something from the Emerald Knight about the overlords of Oa and what they have on their vault would be the most obvious answer.
1: Yeah, that would make sense.
0: So that makes me curious. What did she learn? And you know, what issue of the suicide squad did she learn it? Um, So, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad it it was six issues. I felt that was good. Um, I, don't know that I'll be getting this in trade paperback, uh, or at the, definitely not hardcover, maybe trade, especially if I see it on sale somewhere. Um, but I, I, I definitely enjoyed it, and I, I would be curious to learn a little bit more. But I d- don't know that I'm here for learning more about the entirety of the crime syndicate and more like league sort of tales, like the way this was structured. I, I would want to know more about Emerald Knight if he is a POV character, but. I'm not entirely sure I'd be coming back for more, but I thought they did great with the real estate they had in terms of six issues and the page count that they made use of everything. I didn't feel like any particular issue was boring. Issue five sort of felt weird only because it was just like, all right, Legion of justice versus crime syndicate go. Um, But otherwise, I mean, it still felt like action packed, you know, pedal to the metal, uh from start to finish and i'm glad uh, i'm glad i got the chance to read it i agree all right what's next
1: let's talk about the flash ever so briefly that was season seven yeah i think so yeah, at this point it's hard to know so you at you finally finished season seven now so what did you did your opinion change at all uh at the... y- yes and no uh
0: so when we finally got the we got the godspeed stuff and the stuff with uh with bart and nora and everything that sort of you know brought me back a little bit in terms of some excitement which is ironic because how long uh, in watching the flash in the beginning seasons where we're like oh my god can we get rid of the evil speedster thing here so it was kind of ironic that sort of in a way returning to that (laughs) gave us just a, a little bit of a reprieve from the sort of the problems I was feeling the series was having, but man, I I still felt that we suffered from poor writing. You know, I'm, I don't, I'm not part of the writer's room and I'm not, uh, never done any acting or anything, but like, I don't know if it was the writing, the acting or a combination of both, but everything felt, maybe I'm just getting old, dude. I don't know. Maybe the CW just isn't for me anymore, but then you look at a show like Superman and Lois and I'm like, well, that's great. You know, I just some of the stuff that, that that was basically my critiques from the last time we talked about Flash on the show still stand. A lot of sappiness, a lot of on the nose crap, a lot of very bland writing. Um, I acknowledge given the episode count, how many episodes we, we definitely got significantly less than a normal season. Right.
1: Yeah, didn't, I thought, didn't you say it was like 18 or 19? Yeah, when something talked, like that, we which we is usually like 22, 23, right? Some, yeah, somewhere in that range.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it felt like the Godspeed shit came out of nowhere and was resolved a little too quickly uh, to be any sort of major threat. Um, Nora coming back uh, and Bart showing up seemed to be just accepted really quick um It's not even just, the same,
1: and it's not even the same Nora.
0: Yeah, right. You know, and same
1: actress, but technically not the same Nora, which really is a hard kind of sell. So I don't know, man.
0: I I i think look, you, you you hate to devote time and and effort to you know give something a third, a fourth, a fifth chance. I think maybe I'm just too much of a DC comic simp at this point that I'm just gonna watch it anyways just so I can consume everything DC. Um, But a part of me just wants the flash to be good again. I really want that because it was a great show in various points of its, of its run. Um, So I I, I'm looking forward to see what they do next season only so that we can say, you know, and, you know, maybe the country is going to go one way or another, who the hell knows, but, Hopefully that once you know filming and everything of the new season begins, that we can say, okay, look, they had a full season. The pandemic didn't interrupt anything. They they had a chance to tell what they could have told, and it still sucked. I think the Flash is done. You know, I think that's my thing. I think I think when season eight comes out, and I think we are probably going to get one. Mm -hmm. Um, when season eight comes out, if they don't already announce that it's the final season of the Flash, if it something doesn't radically change uh it's it's done i'm i'm calling i'm calling its death knell at season eight if something doesn't radically change in season eight if they don't say it's the final season it's on its way out if nothing changes
1: i think they should make it the final season will they no because cw hasn't really been particularly good at going out on top with many things i do the fact that they've, they've lost so many cast members from that doesn't help either. And I know almost everybody comes back for one or two episodes and makes a cameo or whatever. But losing Cisco and losing Wells, that Caitlin's the only one really left. And then the new then, the, you know, the newer members don't do that much for me overall. I mean, was it Chester? Is that who it is? Chester. Chester's
0: Chester's growing on
1: yeah, me. Yeah, I was just that's why I, that's what that's where I was going with it. Chester is starting to grow on me a little bit. Uh, the oh the the splitting of Caitlin and Killer Frost into two characters. It was an uneven season. It, I agree with you. It did get better once they once we were dealing more with Godspeed and Bart and Nora showed up and Reverse Flash showed up in the final episode, which I almost forgot about till I was like I told you, until I was trying to replay in the back of my mind, what exactly happened at the end of the season. And I was thinking back at it. I was like, Oh yeah, that's true. He did show up. So they could, so he could be the, the, uh, do ex machina. So they could figure out a way to, to beat, uh, Godspeed. I don't know. I mean, they've done so little of interest with Joe and, uh, was it Camille? They've done so little with that over the, even if she had actually, she had a slightly bigger role, I think, in this season. Yeah. So, so that was kind of a plus because I like her. I like Where her. Where the hell's their kid? Yeah, people have pointed that out too. It's like it'd be nice that they could be actually parents to their kids since you never see the, since you never see the kid anymore. I would like it to have one more season so they could go out. I mean, go, we're, we're going to get one more season all, almost guaranteed anyway, but I would like to have one more season and make it really good and just go out that way as opposed to having another subpar season and then limp on maybe into a ninth it's not nearly as enjoyable as as it used to be and like many of those the cw shows it seems like it just kind of has out gone past where it should have and have outlived potentially its usefulness yeah
0: yeah i mean hey when the blu-ray comes out i'll buy it and stick it on the shelf with all the others because i'm a completionist like that but
1: Sucker. That's the word. That's the word, Chad. Sucker.
0: <laughs> OCD or something. Who knows? All right. What's next?
1: Let's discuss the Eternals trailer. We're not going to play the Eternals trailer, but
0: I'm going to play it, but I'm going to mute it in the
1: background just so I see it on the Okay, okay. You you yeah. you play it and then we'll and then we'll discuss.
0: No, 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 no. Go ahead. We can discuss. I'm just watching. Are you going to
1: watch as... it as we're discussing? I'm yeah, just
0: watching it in the background. Um... I, I know what's happening on it, so
1: far superior trailer to the teaser trailer. Oh hell yeah. Uh, which was unfortunate because it as when we talk about Spider-Man in a few minutes that a teaser trailer is supposed to accomplish different things than a final trailer, but even the teaser trailer for the Eternals didn't accomplish jack. It 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 didn't help you understand anything or make you care more about anything that you saw and and it, and it had no context for what you saw. So it was a really wasted trailer on many levels. This one, I mean, probably out of necessity, more than anything, kind of salvage that. You understand who the Eternals? Well, you don't. You don't You don't really understand who the Eternals are from the perspective, as in where they came from. And but you understand why you you understand the basic things. You know what they're what they're trying to protect Earth from. Why, which was which was a big question for a lot of people all along, is like now why are they getting involved? Well, you kind of get an explanation for what their role is, the circumstances in which they're supposed to be, be involved and, uh, and interfere in, in, with humanity. And the blip pretty much helped create enough energy to start the deviance. We assume the, de- the rise of the deviance and whether, and that threat. So that's why the, the Eternals have to get involved and actually do something now. So, so,
0: yes and no, based on a video I saw. But I'll
1: let you continue. Yes and no about what?
0: What the actual threat here is.
1: Oh, you mean about the uh, emergence? Yes. But isn't that related to the Deviants? Yes
0: and no. So, I've never read Eternals, but I watched I watched a video uh, breakdown of the trailer uh, in which one of the guys who was on it... Uh, I mean, do you want me to go into this? you want to finish your thoughts? No, go ahead. And, okay. Um, so, in the comics... The emergence is the emergence of a celestial. That thing we saw crash to earth in the in this trailer was supposedly a celestial being seated inside of earth. The the blip released not enough energy to reawaken the deviants. The blip released enough energy to start the birthing process of a celestial inside the center of
1: earth. Okay, I can buy that.
0: That's supposedly what we're dealing with here. Uh, And the only reason the Eternals were there were essentially, you know, I I, I guess they're saying the idea is it'll be revealed that they were essentially there to protect the seed. And the only reason that they were instructed to interfere where deviants were involved is because deviants were the only thing that could harm or threaten the existence of the seed and thus birth the birth of that celestial. Nothing the humans were going to do was going to screw that up. That's the idea, and again, that's from somebody who's read the comics. Obviously, the MCU could take it a different direction, but that's uh, that's that's what I w- I garnered from the video I watched.
1: I can see that. I can which, see that.
0: Which m- which with his knowledge and his ideas, you know, in he kind of inserted that's why you see this point here in the breakdown and uh, of the trailer and so on and so forth. So that also that breakdown makes me significantly more interested in in where that is and and just for you guys listening at home and mark if you want i'll send you the link as well um the youtube channel i'm talking about was heroes reforged it's three guys reacting to it and it was their uh, eternals final final trailer reaction video so if you want to just hear it from the horse's mouth and know exactly what that guy was saying uh that's where you're going to get that breakdown because i know i know jack all about I know Jack all about the Eternals. Uh, I know a little bit about the Celestials, but not necessarily enough to to watch this trailer and be like, "Oh, that's where they're going."
1: I mean, it. it I mean, it would be an interesting idea that somehow the. I'm not sure why why the blip would create enough energy that somehow this it would seed in a seed a Celestial, and for what purpose.
0: The celestial was already seated, is the idea.
1: Oh, so it's waking up. This it's waking up the celestial. It begun,
0: yeah, it has begun the hatching, birthing, whatever the hell you want to cause it, call it process.
1: Yeah. Um, back on point for me. Um, it's. I mean, it still doesn't make me overly excited to watch the because there, because if you look at the action in the trailer and everything else, it's pretty gen. It's pretty generic. I mean, it's like Superman stuff with what Icarus or whatever. And it's yeah, I mean, uh, it it was better than the first trailer. It makes me slightly more interested in it just because of the bigger picture cosmic stuff that it's going to be re- it's going to be related to. But I still don't I still don't think it was a fantastic trailer. I still don't think it's yeah, I, I it it's still the least exciting Marvel project for me, even with you know, Shang-Chi about to come out that I would, that the eternal still is the one that, you know, maybe when the, when the Marvels, when we see that, maybe that'll take, maybe that'll take the place of that in my mind as a project, but that has still has Monica in it. And if that's in it, and if the Ms. Marvel TV show is good, then maybe I'll overlook the fact that Captain Marvel does nothing for me, generally speaking. But yeah, it's, I thought, it, I thought it did a nice job at salvaging what the first trailer dropped the ball on, and I think as a based on what this trailer was supposed to accomplish, if it really is the final, it may be the final trailer, but we know Marvel will almost inevitably leak out friggin' like 15 more minutes of the movie because they just can't help themselves. Oh um, yeah, any any
0: various numbers of TV spots that reveal some like, scenes in the first was, five was, minutes. Vision or wasn't
1: revealed until a random TV spot, right? What was it? Oh, yeah, no, but it was I don't know if it was a random I don't know if it was a random TV spot or if, if it was just uh, if it was just one of those little like. I see you remember it was a TV spot. You've, I think you're I think you're right, but I, I don't remember definitively. If, but either way, yes, they, they that that is Marvel. That is Marvel at its worst. It's like you, they went through the entire making of marketing of that movie without without showing the vision and then it's like like two three weeks before the movie comes out oh let's show the scene when he actually like gets born it's like give me a break all you had seen before was his eyes open up which was fine but so that yeah I, I i'm not overly i'm more i'm more interested than i was but i would hardly say that i'm excited for this project
0: i'm excited i told you uh, in a message i just I, I want more marvel cosmic marvel supernatural uh, you and I had already talked a bit about the supernatural on the show before, with you know Moon Knight's coming, the rumors of uh, of Werewolf by Night, I think now confirmed. Um, uh, you know we got Blade upcoming, talks about Ghost Rider, things like that. So I'm down for more Marvel cosmic Marvel supernatural, and you know we've had Thor we've had Thor really venture out into the cosmic stuff. Obviously Guardians has uh, the final. Infinity stuff, you know, involves some cosmic stuff as well, so that's cool. We've gotten more cosmic stuff with Loki uh, in some in some regards. Uh, what If is taking us cosmic places in, in you know, an episode or two. Uh, so it seems like the, the cosmic, Marvel cosmic stuff is resonating with people. Um, so I just, you know, I'm curious because of that, but I'm also hopeful that it does well uh in you know kind of continuing that uh general audience curiosity about marvel cosmic because i want to see more you know i want to get to get to the point where we get adam warlock uh you know and then of course with the marvel supernatural stuff i'm just always down for supernatural stuff in that regard so uh uh it you know i'm definitely gonna see eternals and i'm definitely looking forward to it probably more than shang chi so
1: shang chi I'm interested in more because it has it's it's going to have more direct ties short term to the the earthbound stuff. But yet, obviously, it's hinting based on what I read today, hinting at connections to the cosmic stuff, too. So it's probably going to try to split hairs and do the best of both worlds there. But I think it's it's enough grounded. Plus, it has the, you know, the ties to, you know, the original Iron Man. You still, you know, the. Ben Kingsley version version of the man. Oh, I
0: mean, I'm de- I'm definitely still excited for Shang Chi. It's just at this point, as a Marvel film, as in learning more about the universe, I think I'm more there's more curiosity touch points now for me in Eternals than there is Shang Chi. I'm still excited for Shang Chi because of like I said, you know, it, bare bones at the very least. When was the last time we got a badass kung fu movie? Sure. Interesting though that the Shung, the, the uh, Eternals final trailer is two minutes fifty one seconds, whereas the Spider Man No Way Home teaser is three minutes and three seconds. A teaser is longer than a final trailer. Why are we still calling these things teasers?
1: Well, it is a teaser because it it meets it it actually meets the def. Well, it's a loose definition, but it does what a teaser is supposed to do because it, you get. You get an idea. Besides telling you that the movie's coming, it gives you a basic idea of what's going on in the movie. But it doesn't. But it raises as many questions as it as it as it answers. So I think it really. I would. Both these trailers, both the Eternals and the No Way Home trailer, accomplish what each trailer was supposed to accomplish. I think. I think it's questionable which trailer is actually better overall, because actually this this trailer as we're about to play this, you know, this, this trailer, which everybody's been looking forward to, and maybe that's part of the issue that people have been waiting for this trailer to drop for like about almost like two full months now, since at least two full months when the rumors were that this trailer was about to come out, that maybe the expectation game we made it for me almost impossible for it to uh, match the, you know, what you actually were going to get. But I do think this as a teaser trailer, certainly, I think this is a far superior teaser trailer than either Shang-Chi or or the Eternals had, or even Black, you know, it, probably even Black Widow. In all honesty, but that, but that's easy. It's an easy mark to hit because there's much. I think, generally speaking, there's much more interest in this movie than any of those movies either, based on everything we've heard about this movie going in, and just the fact that every that this is the last, for the time being, the last Sony-owned uh, Marvel-produced solo Spider-Man movie. And kind of like completing this little trilogy here of Tom Holland, MCU, Spider-Man films, that the, the interest was was higher. But I, I I think this meets the definition because of what's in the trailer. It gives you enough, but raises at least as many questions. So,
0: All right, so this one we are going to play?
1: Y- yes. Yes. All right,
0: folks, we are on the Sony Pictures Entertainment YouTube channel uh, on, you, uh, on YouTube. We got the Spider-Man No Way Home Official teaser trailer HD starting at the zero mark. I'm going to go ahead and meet myself in just a second. Uh, in three, two, one, play. Oh, look at this. This is a good one. Some suggest that Parker's powers include the male spider's ability to hypnotize females.
1: Stop, come on. (laughs) Yes, my spider lord. (laughs) Can we just like stay up here all day? It is so crazy down there. That's right, folks. Spider-Man is in fact Peter Parker. Listen, I did not kill Mysterio. The drones did. The drones that are yours. Does any part of you feel relieved about all this? What do you mean? Now that everybody knows, you don't really have to hide or lie to people. For the record, I never wanted to lie to you. But how do you tell someone that you're Spider-Man? Now everybody knows. But this isn't about me. This is hurting a lot of people. I've just been thinking about how to fix all of this. So, Peter, to what do I owe the pleasure? I'm sorry to bother you, sir. Please, we saved half the universe together. I think we're beyond you calling me, sir. Okay, Stephen. That feels weird, but I'll allow it. When Mysterio revealed my identity, my entire life got screwed up. I was wondering if maybe you could make it so that he never did. Strange.
0: Don't cast that spell. It's too dangerous.
1: Fine. I won't. The entire world is about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Wait, everyone? Can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So M James gonna forget about everything we've ever been through? Stop tampering with the spell. Oh my god, Ned, he's my best friend. Well, my aunt May should really stop talking.
0: <laughs>
1: what just happened? with the stability of space-time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. The problem is you trying to live two different lives. The longer you do it, the more dangerous it becomes. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, Parker.
0: Hello Peter. All right man, what do you think?
1: Well, as I had mentioned to you, I I had seen the knock the knockoff version of this like the day before, but of course the special effects were not finished and it was a, such a horrible horrible like phone recorded version of this. But yeah, that's it. it was a
0: recording of a recording. Recording, of a recording, yeah.
1: But but the content was 100% accurate. There's no doubt about that. There was that it was it wasn't a fake. Everything that was in that leak was actu- was was accurate. But even when I saw the leaked version, my initial reaction was actually was was a, was a little disappointing. Only because again, I think I can't put my finger on why, but I think I might just because. Because they dragged this out so long, it was like going to be hard to meet the expectation of, that I had of what I what I wanted this trailer to be. Now it doesn't surprise me we did not get the Andrew Garfield, Toby Maguire reveal in this. I'm sure, in all honesty, we will get at least one of those reveals when they do the final trailer, which you assume will be out and on the and the Eternals in November.
0: I bet they do it in stages. Like we
1: got Doc here.
0: I bet next is Goblin, and then the closer no, we get to the no. actual release date, we get one of the Spideys.
1: I don't know. I think at this point, if they've waited this damn long to release any trailer, it, this that would not be that would not be great conceptually. I mean, that's not conceptually. Practically, that wouldn't be the best marketing to just bomb, to bomb people when people have been wanting this for a while. I think. I mean, we're we're almost in September. They could go where they could give us two more trailers. They could. I don't, again, with this movie, I don't know if you need to give us two more trailers. Um, if they want to do that, obviously, if if Venom sticks to the October release, then they could have another trailer that's on Venom and then have another, the final trailer be on uh, Eternals. That could work, even though that's two trailers relatively close to each other, October, November. But, but I did, what I did like about, I did like about this trailer was number no, that they did give you the gist of the story. There had been, the, you know, it had been out there for a while as a rumor that Peter Parker was going to go to Doctor Strange and ask him to basically kind of like mind wipe everybody. So that part, at least, we have confirmation that whether that's really Doctor Strange or not, I know a lot of people are speculating because he does kind of look a little off, and we know Doctor Strange inherently would seemingly not be so quick to mess around with time and space. So there's got to be probably more that we don't know to why he's willing to do it. If it, assuming it is Doctor Strange, why he's willing to do it. But at least we know that part that part was true. We obviously know that Alfred I mean Alfred Bellina confirmed he was going to be Doc Ock again. So that really was already confirmed. Which is probably one of the easiest ways or reasons to put him in the trailer because that was already confirmed. The Green Goblin the Green Goblin, which has also been rumored the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin, Norman Osborne coming back while well, you didn't see him obviously but you got his pumpkin bomb and you heard him laughing it's pretty safe to say that was a confirmation uh, there's a lot of other hints of the other of these five other five of the sinister six in this trailer you see the lightning from electro you see what looks like you know sand from sandman behind peter parker in one scene people are saying that's the lizard because you see a tail uh, it's hard it's dark it's hard to see but at the end of the day, we come back to comes down to who's going to be the basically who's going to be the Tom Holland villain that we're going to get out of this. Assuming it's not anyone new, is it going to be Vulture, which would be the most logical? If it's not Vulture, could it some people have said Scorpion? But that'd be introducing a villain, and I don't know if they really have time to introduce a villain. It's when it, this seems to be a greatest hits package, it would make more sense that it was unless Mysterio's still alive that Vulture would seemingly be the one that they're going to to go to, especially since we know that Michael Keaton is going to be back in Morbius and may have a bigger role going, going down the road. But I thought the dealing, I like totally how they were dealing with the, it's in stages. Obviously this movie covers some time that you deal with the immediate aftermath, like literally the immediate aftermath of, of Spider-Man being outed. And then g- going through the seasons, going through the fall, going into the winter with the snow. There were lots of things that I did. I did like about it visually. I So I, I it worked for me on, on that level. And it does raise, and it raises tons of questions, which they don't, which this trailer clearly isn't going to answer. A lot of which have to, has to do with Doctor Strange's role in doing this and why he would even approach this. I do like the fact that, seem, again, seemingly, that it was because Peter Parker just not only wouldn't shut his mouth, but kind of like walked walked towards Doctor Strange you got in the middle of, of the spell casting that probably screwed up screwed all this up. But I will be interested to see I like to actually the duality. I was going, let me just cut to this part. The duality. I like the fact that Doctor Strange was really focusing in on Peter Parker's duality and the conflict within Peter Parker that he basically has to make a choice. You gotta be one, you gotta be the other. Which doesn't mean that oh it's like uh people have to forget who you are. You if you're going to be Spider-Man, it's just like you have to just acknowledge that you can't split the difference. You're going to be Peter Parker as Spider-Man or you're just going to not be Spider-Man anymore and just try to live a normal life. And because being with Spider-Man, being as a super, uh, being a superhero, you put people in danger who know who you are. And that's just an, we've seen that over and over again. And that's a common theme. So I do like the fact that that seeming that conflict with Peter seemingly hasn't has some kind of effect on what's going on. And maybe why this, you know, why the spell worked the way it did, or even maybe the way it affected the multiverse the way it did. I have more, but you go. Uh,
0: I like that it picks up right after the final move, the, the previous movie um, in that we uh, see, you know, him being questioned and stuff it makes me wonder what role shield plays, if any, I mean, obviously, you know, with uh, Fury and everybody being, uh, you know, quote unquote there because of all we learned about Fury in that one. That uh, somebody, you know, an official entity of some sort knows the truth, right? It also makes me just curious about the role of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the MCU. Because I obviously I know based on being a fan of watching Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, you know, so where. But apparently, you know, that split off timeline wise. So where is uh, where Where is the quote-unquote official MCU at with S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point? Are they back? Are they clandestine again? Does anybody recognize them as a government entity? You know, so on and so forth. Because they would have the data to clear Peter of it. And it seems like, you know, he's being allowed to go back to school and stuff. I guess that so he's been cleared of those charges. Um, we'll see. The other thing I'm thinking here is, you know... With Doctor Strange's role in in uh, Infinity War and in, in uh Endgame, I think at this point Doctor Strange knows better with a lot of stuff. Now, obviously, we know he's an arrogant guy and stuff like that. But I'm also wondering, what if Doctor Strange is playing Clarence to No Way Home's "It's a Wonderful Life"?
1: Oh, you mean to 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 basically show show Peter the error of how he's viewing things? Yeah that's it's an awfully dangerous gamble to, to, to do that um
0: i don't know i don't know about it
1: being the entirety of the thing but maybe
0: maybe that was his intent and something went wrong or it could just be flat out the full thing i don't know i'm just uh, maybe i'm giving strange too much credit but you look at this and you think he should know better well, so I think why, that, then why is he doing this in the first place?
1: Well, I think that's why a lot of people raise the specter that it may not really be Doctor Strange, or maybe that it does. It doesn't seem like something he would do on his own. I mean, yes, beyond the ego, it doesn't seem. I know they had that little banter, which is cool to watch about about maybe the bond that they have after everything they went through, but they still don't really know each other all that well. They don't have that. So, oh. So I don't know if that would un, 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 be enough justification. That's why I think there's a, there's, a miss, there's some missing, obviously, there's missing pieces here. There's probably more information that we don't have, which is why Dr. Strange, assuming it's, it really is Dr. Strange, why he would consider doing this for Peter. Just like it also raises questions about don't you think it would make sense for them to have a discussion before the spell is being cast about what the ramifications for the spell are going to be like him telling Peter, it's like exactly that little discussion they're having while he's spell casting that would have logically have taken place before. Cause you would, you would think strange we go, just, just remember you have to, you have to realize when I cast a spell, no one, no one other than you, and I would assume Doctor Strange too, but that's never actually gets. That's another question about the spell. what well, even he forget once the spell is cast? That bec- since since he was saying the whole world will forget. That you would think there would be a discussion they would have ahead of time about just understand when I do this. And the other the other caveat, and maybe there is that discussion. The idea that once I cast this, maybe maybe it's almost like a 51st dates 51st dates kind of thing where anybody's peter parker tells after the fact because you would think that'd be an easy solution for some of this yes you'd lose the memories you shared while you're with this person that knew during you know, during that time frame you, those individual memories that you would have they wouldn't have but if you were really if you really cared about telling ned you could just tell ned again but maybe there's something in the spell that makes it clear that hey almost like a 50 first dates thing where yeah you can tell somebody but by the next morning they're going to be completely forget that you ever told them so maybe i mean
0: it seems like they're pulling this from the one more day storyline that took place after civil war mephisto did i think he i never read the entirety of that story and maybe i did and i just forgot it because it's so long ago now but i never in terms of one more day i'm pretty sure mephisto said had some sort of a You know, okay, the world will forget. But if you tell them there are going to be ramifications.
1: Right. So I think I think there almost have there would almost have to be some discussions between Peter and Dr. Strange about that, because that would be the real easy solution. I understand with the MJ thing. Well, that would be a big deal. But then again, to be perfectly blunt, depends on the time jump here. If if we're assuming it's not like once we get past the immediate, you know, action after far from home. That we're not jumping like a year in advance. If we're not jumping that far, we're only jumping a few months. I understand when you're young and you're hormonal and you're in, a t- and you're in love that it seems like it's forever, but the reality is it's not like he and, assuming that's the case, it's not like he and MJ would have been together for like five years and all that's going to be forgotten. So it's 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 kind of it's a it's a, it's a trade-off. It really is. And again, you would think at the end of the day the biggest factor would be why wouldn't you just you could just tell them again. Uh, but but if there's but if there's a caveat with the spell that you can so those those are a lot of the big que- big questions in this the why why the villains get ripped into our universe necessarily uh in particular i know the rumor was going around for a while that pretty much they all get pulled out at the moment they were about to die originally so everybody so Norman Osborn gets pulled out right when he was dying from getting speared, Doc Ock when he was drowning, all these things. So that's part of the reason why they all want to kill Peter Parker, because the fact that having that memory. But Doctor Strange wants to return them back, almost like the Infinity Stones were taken in in Endgame. He wants to return them back where they're supposed to at the moment that they were taken. So they're all going to die. And that's supposed to whether it's true or not. There's a rumor that factors into Peter Parker has problems with that. Our Peter Parker has problems with that, and that leads to him being manipulated and helping the villains, kind of like wreak havoc. Uh,
0: yeah, because so, it also looks like in that one scene on top of the train, like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange are fighting.
1: Yes, which 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 could also be par- partially in the uh, but the mirror, the mirror dimension or whatever, which is also interesting because it's all, I find it also very interesting. He's wearing the Eye of Agamotto minus the stone it appears which would make sense but it's interesting that he's still wearing the eye of agamotto so does the eye of agamotto still have some powers in the mcu even without the time stone it does should, have some... as so, far as
0: comics go
1: well i know was comics but the stone wasn't part of it the uh, infinity stone wasn't part of the eye mm-hmm. of agamotto so i'm just saying in the mcu are we going to find out that the eye of agamotto still has some power is it's it, at some point, whether it's in this movie or whether it's in the multiverse of madness, is he going to try to tap into is, if he has enough willpower? Can he still use the eye of Agamotto to, top in, to tap into the subatomic particles of the time stone that technically still exist? So I, I find that interesting because he's wearing the eye of Agamotto throughout the trailer. Not necessarily, I think, when he and Peter first meet, but in almost every scene when he's in Doctor Strange gear cape or no cape he's where you know he's wearing it when he touches when he touches peter and does the astral projection thing and pushes a spirit out of his body he has it on when they're on the fighting on the train even though he doesn't have the cape on at the moment he's you know he he has it on but yes it looks like they are it looks like maybe they are odds to how to solve the problem before they come together and work and work together i think it i think it accomplishes pretty much what it what it needed to for a teaser i'm sure everybody still expects Toby and probably, especially when you look at the Doc Ock scene, he's probably really talking to the Toby Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's nicely, it's nicely edited. And obviously it looks like Spider-Man has a nanotech suit too, because he certainly looks like he's has a nanotech suit when he transforms. He's got a couple
0: of different suits.
1: Yeah. He's got a bunch. We got, has a which we had already seen from the pops. I mean, obviously yeah. he's got the black and gold suit, which we get, we see briefly when he's running. And we know there's going to be some suit that harnesses Doctor Strange Doctor Strange's magic. But the, but back to the point that led us to that. Yeah, it, it's almost it makes perfect sense that that would be Doc Ock re uh, re encountering the Toby Spider-Man. But the uh, you know Hello Peter. It fits nicely the way it's edited. But it probably that's lo- that's what many people think, and I think that makes the most sense. That that's a that probably is from the that pro- that whole scene is probably from the the big battle either at the end towards the end of the movie or not on the bridge. Cause obviously you have the, the pumpkin bomb on the bridge too. So probably the big battle between the sinister six and whether it's just all three Spider-Man, whether it's all three Spider-Man and, Dr. Strange, that, that probably is, that's, that's probably where that's that Doc Ock scene and, and where it occurs in the movie. But, but it's, I think it accomplished exactly what it needed to. I think if, I think it would have been, I think it would have been better for Marvel if this trailer had come out before the Eternals. I think, I think for Marvel's sake, they probably would have been happier if if they have, if they have realistic expectations, the Eternals is going to do something not, you know, and if internally their numbers tell them this movie isn't going to do much. I mean, Shang-Chi will be okay, but the Eternals, no. If their numbers are telling them this, then maybe they don't, they wouldn't care as much. But if you want your trailer not to be overshadowed, it would have made more sense to release the Spider-Man trailer when they when they released the Eternals trailer and basically swapped the two. Because as soon as Spider-Man hit, as soon as that trailer hit, it was going to drown out everything because that's what people are interested in. Even Shang-Chi a little bit gets overshadowed by it. But it's so close to release. And you can assume that probably both these trailers were beyond uh, Shang-Chi in the movie theater. But again, so... Sony has, you know, Sony has to worry about Sony first and foremost, and maybe the, the, maybe they there was there, you know, there was talk and they were in perfect agreement. But this will be what's also will be interesting now that this is this will be, be our last Spider-Man MCU solo movie for a while. It'll be curious how long the MC, Marvel's going to be sitting on their one use of Spider-Man left how many years we're going to have to wait before we get to see Spider-Man in an MCU movie again? Because we know they have nothing scheduled you would think he's going to be in unless it's going to be Fantastic Four. But, yeah. Which is probably why if they don't have an agreement in place, they, while they may not have a new agreement for a few years, not because they don't plan on coming back together or because they can't come to terms. It's just that there's gonna. it doesn't make any sense to sign it now because seemingly uh, Sony has their own agenda with what they're doing with their with their Spider-Verse and we know Marvel based on the MCU's release schedule they have no big team-up movie at least announced yet and we know that you couldn't get anything until uh, 2024 at this point pretty much based on their release schedule so there may not be any need to sign a new contract because you're talking three three or four years down the road before you could even start using these characters where it would make sense for these characters to come back together Depending on what Sony's schedule is or what their agenda is for Spider-Man, but from the MCU's perspective, they probably won't be needing Spider-Man for at least three to four years in a, in a group movie, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. All right. Did we want to go? No. Let's just we'll, we'll we'll save the other we'll save the other stuff for our next next recording.
0: All right. Do we know what the next episode is?
1: No, actually we don't. But the reality is. Yeah, we don't entirely know what what's coming in the next two episodes. We'd like to do at least some something special in quotes for 450, not because it's going to be super oversized or a thousand guests necessarily. But we'd like it to at least be something Green Lantern related more and more than I think just like a certainly more than just a last ride episode or certainly not not going to touch Infinite Frontier for a while.
0: We do have a big sort of spotlight episode planned, but do we want to do it? Then is the idea. So,
1: Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards no. I don't. I don't know how. In th- I'm not saying it wouldn't be somewhat interesting. I don't know if that would be a. I don't know. That would be a unique. I mean, episode. it's definitely
0: big prep-wise. So.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing too. We only we only have one, even with even thro- throwing in a skip week that I don't think we'll have this week. But even throwing in a skip week, we, that still only buys us a couple of weeks to do this. And let me think, let me let me think. That would not be the worst idea. But again, it's so it's so it's weird to say that it's so focused because it's obviously focusing on a single issue of anything is more focused. But I don't know, maybe it's its own its own animal or it's, own, it's kind of like a niche thing that maybe it's uh I don't know, maybe it wouldn't play as well depending on how people their people's interest in that time frame literally of. Of Green Lantern. But we'll figure it out.
0: We'll see. Yeah. I mean, regardless, though, if people want to write in and let us know, uh, we do have episode 450 coming. So if you guys want to send in some feedback about the show and you know how long it's been on or anything you want us to read on the air, 450 is a fantastic time to do that. So if they want to reach out to us, how do they do so?
1: Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter facebook use hashtag geocast to track us down there also you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify and stitcher whichever platforms you listen to us on please leave us a positive review last but not least if you'd like to leave us a voicemail or text 708 lantern 708 lantern and let us know what you think all right guys we'll talk to you later good night everybody good night